Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Okay, well, hi everyone. Um, My name's Tavner. I am a compulsive overeater, anorexic bulimic. And when Darla asked me to speak at this meeting, I'm not going to lie, I wanted to say no. Um, I was really nervous. I was thinking there's no way anybody's going to want to hear what I have to say. Um, And instead, I slept on it and I talked to my therapist, I talked to my sponsor, and I realized, okay, let's start this. Let's have a conversation and actually get out there and do some service. Um, So my search for in concept of a higher power, um, I've got... I've got a lot of trauma tied to the church. Um, And so I'm going to kind of gloss over it just enough so you guys really get my journey, but not too much to get into the nitty gritty details. Uh, So I was actually raised um, as a pastor's kid. My dad uh, was a pastor at a mega church here in Oklahoma. And so I really, the way I describe it is I was born and I was hit straight on the head with the Bible. And that's how my entire childhood and up until 18 years, I was 18 years old, I was in the church. And so I started working at the church when I was 14. So it was my first job. I attended all three services on Sunday. I attended the Wednesday night service. I went to all the church camps, all the retreats, every possible thing that the church had, I was a part of because it was expected of me. Um, And this mega church is a non-denominational Christian church, just to have that reference there. Um, And so really the concept that I had uh, of God and what I was raised to believe is I was just so fearful. I was terrified to make any mistakes. Everything was a punishment. It was just this really unhealthy relationship with um, the church. And it's, I'm not going to lie, it's really hard to talk about. Um, I was in therapy earlier this evening, just kind of talking to my therapist and I almost had a panic attack because I was sitting here thinking about everything that the church did, how I got, you know, from there to here, how I've worked my program with you know, identifying my own higher power. It was just really raw. And so I'm going to try really hard not to cry. And if I do just bear with me, (laughs) Um, I know that you guys got my back. So like I said, I was raised in the church. I'm there constantly. And in the church that I went to, it was very common for people to speak in tongues, for people to become overcome with the Holy Spirit. Like, I mean, we're talking big, massive mega church here. And so at a really young age, I realized that my parents wanted to put on the perfect facade of being the perfect little pastor's family. And so I faked it a lot. I can remember being at church camp as a kid up at the front, you know, getting prayer, like prayer. And all of these people are just, you know, passing out. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if I don't do what they're doing, then somebody's going to tell mom and dad that I'm not being the perfect little Christian girl. And so I faked it. I faked it so much. I can't tell you how many times I faked speaking in tongues, or I faked being overcome with the Holy Spirit. I gave my life to the Lord more times than I can count. My dad baptized me multiple times. I mean, I just wanted to be the perfect Christian daughter for my parents. Um, And then when I was 14, I um, was assaulted by somebody in the church. Um, And then I was 
also assaulted by somebody else and their family member. That was somebody I worked at with in the church. Um, and I, at, when that happened, I really just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that people in the church, people that prayed for me, that sat there, that watched me grow up, that they could do that to me. Um, and so when that happened, I became, well, I did what anybody would do. And I started acting out. I became very promiscuous. I started partying. I did every possible coping mechanism I could think of because my parents didn't want to hear what had happened to me. Um, I never told, well, they know now, but I never told them when I was younger because I honestly, I kind of felt like they would defend the church. You know, they would pick the church over me because that's what my dad did. He chose the church over our family countless times. And it was really hard. It was hard to know that I could never compete with the congregation. I'd never be, I, I just didn't get attention from my dad like that. Um, and so once I started acting out, um, and I hate even calling it that because I really was doing what I thought the only way I knew how to cope, I didn't know how to deal with everything. Um, and I sure as heck wasn't going to talk to my parents or talk to anybody else in the church because I didn't think people would believe me. Um, and so my youth pastor, probably, I think when I was about 15 years old, he told me that when he had children, he hoped that they didn't turn out anything like me. And I haven't, I haven't forgiven him for that. And I know I'm working, you know, on step four right now. And I recognize that's the resentment that I have to write about. And I need to explore because I'm tired of holding that, but I just, I was just viewed as this problem child. Um, and so then my dad, when I was 18, <laughs> uh, this is when the story gets really interesting. He didn't know how to leave the church and he didn't know how to back away and he didn't know how to quit. So instead he did um, something illegal and he got himself caught on purpose. So then the church kicked him out. And when my dad left the church, when I was 18, I still worked there and I worked there for about a month and I was treated like trash. Um, a bunch of the, like my youth pastor, they wouldn't allow me. I was in the nursery. They wouldn't allow me to watch their child. They didn't think I could even, you know, pick up and hold and comfort their child because of what had happened. And so for that month of working there, it was hard. Um, it was really hard because these people that I spent the first 18 years of my life growing up with people that I'd been friends with people that I thought like were my family, they all abandoned me and turned on me instantly. Um, and so that kind of that kind of explains the first 18 years of my life. And then we experimented with a few churches for about a year or so. And then I don't know what happened, but my dad, they, he doesn't go to church. My parents don't. I definitely have not been to a church in years because the idea of just going into any church just gives me so much anxiety because I sit here and think of how I was used and abused by the congregation and how that could happen again if I went to a different church. And so I was really fearful of that. Um, and so I, um, I had an eating disorder when I was younger and I kind of sort of recovered when I was 18, but I really just picked a different addiction to cope with life. And, um, I relapsed in my eating disorder last year. Uh, and so it was literally just about a year ago is when it was at its worst. And I realized that I needed help. I didn't want to live this way anymore. I didn't want to be starving myself. I wanted 
one of the things I talk about a lot is um, I spent so much of my life just existing. Like I never lived. I just woke up, existed on this planet, and then I went to sleep. And life didn't have any meaning. It didn't, I just, I didn't live. Um, and so I got a new therapist last year because I needed someone who specialized in eating disorders. And the therapist I had, um, I had developed, I have a problem with boundaries and I developed an unhealthy relationship with him. Just, I viewed him as my grandpa. And so then I didn't want to disappoint him. And I didn't want him to know that I relapsed. And I didn't want him to know I was struggling. I didn't want to talk about the church. I didn't want to talk about my trauma. I didn't want to relive anything with him. And so I got a new therapist and thank goodness she brought me to OA. She gave me an assignment back in April of this year. And she's like, you have to go to an OA meeting before our next therapy session. And I was so pissed, like so mad that somebody could possibly call me one, a compulsive overeater, tell me I'm an addict. And then I need a 12 step program. I mean, I was completely just shocked by this concept. Um, and so when I went to my first OA meeting, I remember the invitation to you. And when that was read, I was overcome with just so many emotions because my entire life, I was a burden. I was unworthy. Nobody cared about me. Nobody loved me. My family neglected my eating disorder, like all of those thoughts. And then I showed up at this random meeting, dragging my feet, pissed, and I found my home. I realized I'm not alone. I can do this. Like there's other people like me. I'm not this burden to my family. Like, and I felt so much love in this zoom room of this meeting would just like, I mean, it was maybe like four or five other people. And so it's itty bitty. And here I am just like, Oh, Hey, I'm new. I have no idea what OA is, but there's no way I need it. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how I ended up getting into the rooms. And then of course, just like probably a couple people in this room, <laughs> as soon as God was brought up, I went, Oh no, no. <laughs> I'm, thank you. I was like, I'm not doing this. I, I can't, I can't do this again. And I got so caught up on this idea of God. And all I could think of is the God that I was raised to believe in, which was this vengeful, horrible, just mean, unloving, unforgiving being like, cause that's, that's what I was raised. Like, you know, I, the literal fear of God was put in me. And as I was talking to my therapist earlier, I said, I feel like I'm going to get smited for saying these things. Like I literally have PTSD where I sit here and think, are my parents going to hear this? Is somebody going to know what I'm saying? And I have some weird loyalty still to the church. And that's something I have to work through in therapy. Um, and so it was an obstacle. I couldn't understand this concept of a higher power. I couldn't understand that there was any higher power who like cared about me, who wanted to help me succeed, who like, it just didn't seem possible. Um, and so I really struggled with that. And I love, I love this next part because the person's actually on this meeting right now and they'll know who they are, but in a parking lot afterwards on one of the meetings, I was struggling so much with this concept of a higher power. And she asked me, what brings you comfort? And the first thing that came to mind, and y'all don't laugh at me, Harry Potter. I am obsessed with Harry Potter. When I was a kid, I started 
reading the books the summer between fourth and fifth grade when my life flipped turned upside down and I dove into the books and I read them constantly. I read them constantly still. I listen to the audiobooks like on loop. I mean, this is such a massive part of my life because it brings me so much comfort. And when she asked me that and I said that, all of a sudden it's like these lights started clicking. My higher power didn't have to be the God that I was raised to believe in. It didn't have to be, you know, it just, it didn't need to be that. And so I just started off saying, okay, Harry Potter is my higher power. We'll just make it simple. The wizarding world, that's what it is. And then a couple, um, it was a couple days later, I was listening to one of the audiobooks, and I feel this is kind of hard to explain because I don't know how many people are familiar with Harry Potter, but in the fourth book, there is a scene um, where the main character, Harry, he has just gone through this terrible traumatic incident, and he doesn't have the strength to continue. He can't keep talking about what happened to him because he just, he doesn't have the courage. He doesn't have any of the strength. And Fox the Phoenix flies over and lands on him. And I even wrote this down because it's such a profound part of my higher power. And I wanted to share it with y'all. Um, in the book, it writes, there was something comforting about his warm weight. And when I heard that, it was like this light bulb clicked. I went, Fox can be my higher power. Because Phoenixes, for those who don't know, well, of course, we're talking like a mythological character here, but <laughs> for Phoenixes, they can carry immense strength. They have healing powers in their tears. They die and are reborn from the ashes. And all of that was so comforting and beautiful to me. And I just kind of took it and I went with it. And it's like, you know what? If I'm going to do this program, I'm going to do this the best way I can. And that was starting off by acting as if. I was acting as if I believed that this Phoenix could be my higher power. People would talk about prayer and I just had to sit here and go, okay, you're going to pray to a Phoenix. You're going to do it. It's going to be okay because you're going it, to, it's going to work. Um, and another part of the book that I wanted to share is it says that the Phoenix let out one soft quavering note. And when it let out that note, it was like hot liquid slipped down his throat into his stomach, warming him and strengthening him. And that's what I hold on to. That's what I reminded myself of tonight with how nervous I am and just this literal ball of anxiety because, you know, public speaking, like sure we're on a camera here, but <laughs> it's kind of scary. I just kept reminding myself that my higher power has my back. My higher power strengthens me. My higher power gives me comfort. It gives me the strength to go on when I can't anymore. Um, and so part of with my program, whenever I say the serenity prayer, I say Fox. I mean, I typically don't say it like when the audio's on just because I don't want someone to go, who's praying to a Fox? Um, but two-way prayer, I do the same thing. And I just really work my program and I just focus on this Phoenix being my higher power. And it has brought me so much comfort. And it's made it where I feel like I've actually been able to work this program and start developing a sense of spirituality. Right. Like I, oh, thank you. Like I still have a long ways to go. I really do. And there's a lot that I still need to work through. But just knowing that I can have a higher power that I understand is something that really helps me. And, you know, it may change over time. I don't know. I mean, we're living one day at a time here, but for today, 
my higher power is a phoenix named fox from harry potter and it gives me the comfort i need to keep moving forward and so um i talked really fast so now i'm trying to figure out what to say next sorry y'all um but i think the biggest thing is that i still sometimes get hung up on the god language and so if I'm reading the big book or for today or voices of recovery and it mentions God, I swap out the name. I keep it consistent. So then I'm still having that active prayer. I'm having that spiritual spirituality and I'm building that connection and that relationship. Um, and so that really works for me. I don't know if that necessarily would work for everybody else. And sometimes I feel envious of those who have a deity as their higher power, or they have an organized religion, there's times when I sit there and go, man, would it be easier if I could understand that concept? And for me, I don't think it would be. Because for me, I still can't separate the God I was raised to believe in, and just traditional God, Christianity, it's just so difficult for me. And so each day, I continue praying for the willingness I keep praying for the strength. I pray for the serenity. I just pray and I pray and I pray to my higher power that I know as Fox the Phoenix. Um, how many minutes do I have left? About oh, just under three. Okay, then I'm gonna go ahead and pass my time and let that go to other people because I don't wanna ramble for three more minutes and drive y'all crazy talking about Harry Potter. Um, but yeah, so I'll just, I'll leave it there. Thank you.